Big Fluff. That's what you fucking sound like, you piece of shit. Get off! You got a bad dog! Bad dog! Bad dog! Worst dog in the fucking world. Hey, Reggie. I know you're feeling hurt right now, and it's... Ugh, must be so hard to figure out what to do. I'm going back to Doug's. What? The fuck, man? What's it gonna take for you to understand that he's not playing a game with you? And I'm not playing a game with him. Okay. All my life, I felt like I wasn't worth anything unless I heard those words, good boy. But they never came. Well, he needs to know he's hurt me. He needs to feel my pain. And he needs to pay for what he did with the only thing he truly loves. I'm gonna bite his dick off. Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And it is the third week of January and we are watching, uh, yeah, well we did, you know, the the clip show. Yeah, yeah, no, I was did- just, I sorry, I distracted you, that's my fault. I was I was comically counting on my fingers one two three. I just thought it would be a visual bit to amuse you, but it it's, it put the brakes on. Yeah, no, my my attention that wrecked with my attention deficit issues. Uh, so that didn't that didn't off to a roaring start. Anyways, uh, it's the third week of January. We're watching the some of the malign movies of 2023 to start off 2024. Where we watch Strays and here to talk about it, friend of the show Molly Reagan. Hi, Molly. Hi, Andy. Hi, Joe. How are you? Hi. I'm great. I uh, I believe this is one of the best movies of 2023. Um, I'm very excited to talk about it, and I am in no way saying that ironically. I mean, this this is, I think, you know, cards on the table in the running for, at worst, upper third of movies we've watched in the history of this podcast. Easily, yeah. easily. And it's, uh, I think I can safely say the best talking animal movie that we've ever watched on this podcast that that was something i was interested to bring up is grumpy cat second probably i mean because the dog who saved are not good and we watch a lot of those yeah and 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 i love them for the podcast but they are awful awful movies but i think they're also important because as you and I often talk about, our barometer for bad movies has been forever changed. Oh, just forever <laughs> tormented. It's so gone. I, so I think this movie, while certainly maligned, and I did see it on a number of worst movies of 2023 lists. Fuck them. <laughs> but, I, but yeah, I, I think that I would challenge anyone who feels that way to watch a dog who saved movie. You know, or even watch the Grumpy Cat movie. I think, look, the floor is pretty low for this type of movie. And I think that this, for many reasons that we will get into throughout the rest of this episode, I think this is an upper tier talking animal movie, if that is your thing. I think, I mean, you have like the saccharine, you know, uh, Milo and Otis and like the the other one with Shadow and Chance, The Longest Journey or whatever it's called. 
those like those like classic childhood movies that I think are what most people think of as the good talking animal movies. I, this is right up there. I yeah. mean, you know, um, and I think that I think one of the reasons that this is maligned and one of the reasons we need to address the maligning of this movie is just like how poorly it did at the box office. Yeah. And and because um, the, the critics reviews were mediocre at best. And we could we could debate how accurate those are. But I think that what the disservice this move that was done to this movie is that nobody saw it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, well, there's it's often a, you know, uh, the the last move of a a sinking ship to call your movie critic proof or to say that the critics were unfair to it. But I think it is fair to say that this type of film that's uh, the lowest of lowbrow comedy was never going to be loved by critics no, this, i mean th- what, this got oh go ahead what is there for for a critic in this movie <laughs> like it it's it's a an animal buddy comedy with both like lowbrow and blue humor and like deep emotional catharsis i mean i feel like i'm selling it well but if you're like an LA Times critic, I feel like that's really hard to write about. Yeah. I mean, if you're A.O. Scott, I don't even know if you can call this a rip-roaring thrill ride. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this this movie, it was never, I think the absolute ceiling for reviews was about what it got. Like, yeah. I think it hit its ceiling for the reviews that it was going to get from critics. But no, this movie opened... Um, I forget what movie it opened against. It was like decent competition. Like it was a temple blockbuster uh, and it, it didn't do great. Yeah. Which I and mean, underperformed. Yeah. it. I think that's the big thing. Is it underperformed? Because uh, 2023 in general, if you weren't particularly Barbie, but if you weren't Oppenheimer getting <laughs> on that uh, dual marketing train of Barbie, I think most things did not perform at the level people were yeah. hoping, even though I think it was a good year for film. I just don't think it was a good year for uh, rich executives who like to count stacks of money. Which, and you know, yeah. OK, yeah, <laughs> I, no, I don't so, really uh, have a th- problem with that. Yeah, I'm cool with it. Uh, no, this movie opened Look, uh, through no fault of their own. They were hurt last year, <laughs> guys. <laughs> Forces conspired against them <laughs> to make sure that they had... <laughs> Just a lambasting in the press, in the media, yeah, across for, all walks of life. For some reason, these people who are passionate, passionate about film were hated by everyone and vilified. <laughs> these people who love art and cinema. <laughs> They're in it for the love of the craft. Exactly. Um, Both you know, this the movie, movie <laughs> the services, actually, and the, the making of films. So three. Yes. Yeah. All three. Yes. Yeah. Um. Now, this movie opened uh, opposite Blue Beetle, so Stray Beetle was not exactly as catchy as Barbenheimer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In Blue Beetle, we could have very well done for this podcast. Uh, I think we chose not to because we did Ant-Man and we didn't want to do two bug themed crappy superhero movies. Yeah. Although we did choose one uh, movie with the main character named Bug. So that's true. So it, in a sense, and it all yeah. comes back around. Um, <laughs> it could have been Beetle Bug weekend. <laughs> Beetle Bug. Uh, um, yeah, th- this. Um, I don't know. Like, 
I guarantee also that the critics have not watched as many talking animal movies as we have to give this movie an accurate place in the pantheon. Yeah. Anyone? (laughs) Probably not. I hope not. For the good of everyone's sanity, we're doing this so you all listening don't have to. I think 2024 might be the year they start playing sports or going to space. I think we... Space buddies! Yeah, we haven't watched any of those, like... We haven't watched a single Air Bud movie yet. Air Bud or Buddies film yet. And I think maybe this is the year, because I think we might be out of the... The dog Because well, I don't think we're going to do The Dog Who Saved Easter. And Grumpy Cat only had the one foray into cinema. But there's shame. always Gone too snow soon, dogs. R.I.P. Yeah. Do they talk in um, snow dogs? I think they do. Oh. Or right. no, it's Eight Below, I think, that they talk in. Okay. It's another one of those uh, sled dog movies with... The, not, the, not the one with Cuba Gooding Jr. Excuse me, Oscar winner. Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> and speaking yeah. of Oscar winners, <laughs> Jamie Foxx. Yes. Yeah. Brought it back around. <laughs> Jamie Foxx. Play and, plays Bug. And look, I think, you know, we're going to get into the, the more reasons that this movie's maligned, but I think Jamie Foxx in the performance of his career in Strays. 100%. 100%. The most heart wrenching, like, performance of his career. And again, not saying that ironically, this movie, yeah. the first time we watched it, which was not today, I don't remember why we watched it. A because few it was ago. available because on Peacock. Because it was available on Peacock. <laughs> the first time we watched it, I cried two different times during the movie. Yeah. One of yeah, them I mean, because of Jamie Foxx. Beautiful. Yeah, his performance in this puts B- Willie Beeman to shame. I think you know, so. Just... Yeah. <laughs> uh, that Stephen Willie Beeman can't hold a candle to Bug. I mean, to be fair, Bug can't hold a candle either. No opposable thumbs. It's true. I could maybe like wedge it between his paws or something or in his, in his mouth, I guess. Yeah, there uh, we go. Yeah. Do we need to talk any more about the we, we cover the box office, right? Do we are we going to get into I the think I yeah. don't think we need to get in the minutia, but it, no, yeah. it did. It it opened like to like 50 percent less than what they had expected and then had like a 60 percent drop off from that in the second week. So no one saw this. Yeah. yeah. Which I mean, we're sitting here talking about how much we liked it and I didn't see it in the theater. Like, yeah, I don't think any of Well, I know that none of us did see it in the theater because <laughs> so. I watched it today. Right. So, yeah, we're also part of the problem uh, as far as that goes, yeah. which is why I'd like uh, to say I'm sorry. Uh, executives, I'm really sorry. I mean, we know you had a hard year, and, and it—we did not make it easier. If you only got two weeks of Christmas vacation uh, in Hawaii instead of that third week, then I—I'd like to personally apologize. But they—if you that had to sit week. in economy plus instead of full first class, <laughs> yeah. Which I well, assume you the said, but if your family had to fly a comedy yeah, plus, well, you, you said go. in first class. There you go. <laughs> we we understand the hardships, yeah, the trials, yeah. the tribulations. Look, if you couldn't make it onto Zaslav's boat <laughs> to stare vacantly at a screen, not make eye contact when a sex scene came up, I'm sorry. <laughs> Which is what we're all aspiring to. Uh, is uh, you know, if, if everyone just recently listened to all the pitches that Andy and I did, obviously the dream is to get one of those films not just made but screened on Zaslav's boat. <laughs> That's no I mean eye contact. It's it, it's on my vision board. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's you know. Which it's unspoken, but all of our films do have uh, extended sex scenes. 
in them. Well, that's sometimes cinema. it is spoken. <laughs> But we didn't make it clear with like alien versus predator versus gremlin, but there is a well, sex scene. I mean, that's just redundant. Yeah. <laughs> that movie's a threesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole third act is just them going at it. Yeah. Uh anyway, all right. So I I think because we've talked so much both in the history of the show and uh in this episode already, do we need to cover the how this because it's not a re- big reason for me to malign it, but I think it's worth exploring how it did with its own internal logic for how a movie where animals communicate with each other function, because that's always a sticking point, I feel like, when we talk about these. Films. Yeah, I think that's a good point to start. And I think I honestly I think this movie did the best job with its internal logic relative to everything else that we've seen yes i would Go agree on. I, well because uh, andy and i have talked a lot of, on his previous ones about like sometimes it's unclear how the animals are communicating with each other what other animals they can communicate with mm. how much they understand from humans or don't understand uh so like all of that can be kind of murky i think this one mostly does a good job there's a few things where if i wanted to pick it nits the fact that on this podcast, <laughs> pick them. Uh, but like they often don't know a lot about humans and they say that they don't really understand humans, but then they'll reference pop culture things about humanity mm. that don't really make a lot of sense if they're dogs. Like there's a, you know, with the police dogs, they kind of make a Hitler joke. So they understand who Hitler is, the dogs. Well, I mean, Hitler had a dog, so that makes sense. There's like. <laughs> In the you know, dog community, it's known, but the dog about the, the dog understood what was going on. Um, yeah, I mean that's like uh, from Norm Macdonald's penultimate comedy special is called Hitler's Dog, right? And it talks about how like Hitler, objectively the worst human being that's ever lived, but his dog loved him. Yeah, which has the potential to be the weirdest film in the zone of interest cinematic universe <laughs> is a movie that just focuses on Hitler's dog uh not being aware of the atrocities happening around is it, it. Is, God is this are we pitching a talking dog movie about Hitler's dog no is that where we're at no we're discussing it I'm not pitching it okay okay just let's, <laughs> let's let's make that very clear we are discussing the concept and possibilities we but are I, not suggesting that it would be an entertaining piece of cinema that that could be entertaining I don't the there's best nothing in, is controversial guys Look, there's nothing in the rule book that says that you can't make this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, But I will not look. I'm not writing it. I'm not putting my name on it. We're not making Meinhund. Like, that's not a movie that's happening. Oh, no. (gasps) It's not. It's not. It's not a thing. No. And don't make it a thing. Well, don't worry, guys. It ends the same way as Stray's. That's true. Yeah. Look, honestly, you know what? I think I might be coming back around if we're going to Tarantino it and we're rewriting the ending. Is that he didn't shoot himself? That the dog, the dog, the dog he did takes shoot it. himself, but it's because. Because. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not because the allies are closing in, but because the dog bites his dick off. Yeah. And he's actually getting the gun to try to shoot his dog. But then the friends that Hitler's dog made. Uh, come in 
and pin his arm down and he accidentally shoots himself. He makes friends with a British dog who's like, no, <laughs> no, I've got to tell you some things. OK, now I'm back. Now I'm ready. Okay, now we're in. <laughs> now, we're, now we're back in. Uh, so, yeah, so that's uh, holler at your boys. <laughs> um, got to no, be I, educated so... to get the joke. <laughs> <laughs> um. So no, but I think this, there's yeah, I think there is some nitpicky stuff. But one thing I think that this movie did really well was that the eagle was subtitled. Yes. Yeah, they don't they like, don't communicate with the, the eagle. smartest things in the whole movie. And they don't talk to the cats. Like when they run into the cats, the cats or don't the sp- rabbits. Yeah, like none of the other animals can talk to the dogs. The dogs can only communicate with one another. And I do think that's a smart choice. Right. And can understand humans like that tracks. Well, I do believe not to get us too far into this tangent, but like I think that dogs understand us more than we think that they do for sure. So I don't and do a better job of understanding us than we have to do of understanding them. Well, and they understand certain humans better than others when they have a connection with a particular human. Right. And I think some of the effective stuff or we're not to the silver linings yet, but I think one of the things that I, I adore about this movie is Will Ferrell's character misunderstanding the fact that his owner is a piece of shit because he is telling you, well, these are the things that we do together and they're games and this is how he talks about me. And it's not until the other dogs are like, no, those are terrible things that he right. realizes that anything is amiss in his life. Right. And, no, and that and that super tracks because, I mean. The dogs do have a sense of loyalty to their people. You know, this is the pack mentality and everything and that, that it all really tracks. Like just the fact is like we play this game called fetch and fuck. And yeah. it's like <laughs> I, he, he drives me to the middle of nowhere, throws a ball. I fetch it, bring it back. He says, fuck. Yeah, that's a great joke. That yeah. really is. Yeah. Uh, so I do think overall it is successful in its world building of how the dog world functions. Well, and the conspiracy theory about the poop. Like, yeah. that's really funny. Yes. Yeah, that is good. Um, but uh, but yeah, like, but then again, there's like some of that internal, like they're making some some pop culture references and they're making some jokes along those lines that like would imply that they understood more than they actually do. But then there's other funny things like the devil in the sky is the mailman billboard. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and all of that. Uh, I, guess, I think the other big thing that we probably have to talk about in terms of maligning it is, I mean, this is a movie that is very invested in gross out humor that, that is its stock in trade. And on one level, I think I understand it in that they are dogs and dogs are gross. I love dogs, but they do eat poop and they do gross things and, and pee on everything and pee and... on everything. So like I, I understand incorporating it into the world and in some ways that makes this more realistic than the other films that we've watched. In this, uh, is it a genre? Are we we calling it a genre? It's a genre, talking animal movies. Yeah. Um, Because Zeus never pooped in one of the, any of the four movies that we watched. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is why he was so miserable. It could be. He's just all backed up. (laughs) He was just waiting for them to take him out and they never did. Uh, But, uh, which is weird because I'm pretty sure that doesn't Joey Coco Diaz poop in at least a few of those movies? (laughs) Definitely the first one. <laughs> <laughs> he eats some um, cheese, he, he, I eating, think. He's eating all of the, the cured meats and, and cheeses in the the 
the banister household and yeah. then i think he um, uses the bathroom and then he takes a dump and yeah. that's what holds them up for to allow chance to like home alone them yep. oh my god yeah. or zeus to, to home alone them yeah exactly uh but so but you're not above a poop joke and dogs the poopiest of animals that's true poop in those movies uh but yeah this movie on the other hand I think swings too far into probably a little. I bit. mean, there's a there's a pivotal scene that revolves around every single dog in a kennel pooping at the same time in order Scored to get by their escape. London Bridge by Fergie. I was about to say, like, I know we're not at the silver lining yet, but we <laughs> we will talk about the music choices in this. Oh, movie sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just but I, I feel phenomenal. like that needs to be said for that scene just to paint a picture if you've not yet watched. Yeah, 100%. And I'm very careful. I say not yet because this is another one I think is worth giving a watch. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And I suggest when you do watch it, write a personal check to one of the producers who made it and just mail it one to One of them. the executive producers. One of the executive. Not, yeah, yeah, not one of those like vanity producers. Not if Will Ferrell got a producer credit. One of the executive producers that works at the studio. You write him a check for at least $25. And not Lord or Miller because we yeah. know that they're actually creative. Right. Yeah. They, yeah, they got that Spider-Verse money. They don't need this. <laughs> yeah. Um. We're talking to someone who works at Universal. <laughs> Yes, someone who has an an office with a desk at Universal. <laughs> Somebody exactly. at Z on Zaslav's boat. <laughs> yes, just write a check to Zaslav's boat. <laughs> someone will cash it. Yeah, I'm sure. That boat is wealthier than any of us on this podcast. One hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, yeah, this movie. I think it does go a little. I could see. Like, I wasn't bothered by it. I thought it made sense, but I could see that being enough to turn someone off of watching this movie. Right, because I think it at its heart is an actually very sweet movie with a really lovely central storyline. But I think that you might lose people who would otherwise enjoy that with how much gross out humor is. Well, in and it. I mean, like that this movie is rated R and it's, you know, it, it swings for the fences with language, with poop with uh you know just uh will forte being a garbage person like there's a lot going on um and that's enough i could see i could see that being a reason that someone wouldn't be all in on this movie i think yeah. there's there's about like a maybe 15 minute stretch in the middle of this movie that feels it's not terrible but it feels a little out of step with the rest of the movie that like between the the pivotal poop scene and um there's uh i think we need to talk about the the mushroom scene which so the dogs they're they're in the woods they're really hungry they come across a field of mushrooms which turn out to be uh psilocybin mushrooms and they eat all of them which I think, like, Joel sort of mentioned this when we were rewatching it. Like, it works in the sense that, like, they go really, really crazy creative with the way they portray it. Um, you know, like, the one of the dogs gets animated, another one is a puppet, like, another one. With human hands and With human eyes. hands. Um, 
Reggie, who's uh, the main dog voiced by Will Ferrell, is like hallucinating uh, his owner, Will Forte. Um, with one, a giant mound of pubes. With a giant <laughs> mountain of pubes. Um, Jamie Foxx's uh, dog, Bug, is hallucinating the old couch that he used to hump. Like, there, like, there's a lot going on. So it is a more interesting version of, you know, like, let's do a mushroom trip. And, like, what would a dog... Like, really playing into that, like, if this is true, what else is true? What would a bunch of dogs be hallucinating? But then they take a turn that, like, another one that could alienate people of like oh look guys we found a bunch of dog toys and let's all play with them and then when they wake up it turns out they like ate and mutilated a bunch of bunny rabbits yeah (laughs) and it's like (laughs) i was here for that i i thought it was funny (laughs) but yeah um i get i would I get that I'm wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I get that I'm. I get that I'm broken as an individual. <laughs> like I, that fully makes sense. That I should have been horrified by that, and I thought it was just funny. Well, I'm not even saying that like you should or shouldn't be horrified by it. I think it's just in that like sort of weird 15 minute stretch of like tonally, it feels somewhat out of step with the rest of the movie. Yeah, and that's. It's just this kind of bizarre, like, okay, in that, like, you're swinging for the fences. You swang way far this way. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then it, we're kind it, of back. <laughs> it did feel like that was sort of tacked on to pad the runtime a little bit. Yes. Because, yes. Uh, just, just because, like, it doesn't really impact the narrative of the story. It's it's fully an aside from the plot. Like, it doesn't connect them. Uh like if in their trip they had found the Girl Scout or something like that, you know, or if the reason that the uh, canine dogs had found them was because of the rabbits, which really wasn't what happened. They just sort of came upon them. You know, maybe it would have tied in more. But yeah, it is definitely just like, wouldn't it be funny if we had the dogs trip balls? It feels and a, that's how the scene happened. It feels a little uh, a little studio notes of like. We need something wild to happen here. Okay. Like. It could be. Yeah. 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 I I think the tripping thing, like, I, you know, I do find it was silly enough that it, it felt like a Judd Apatow movie to me where it's like, oh, there's this scene where they do drugs. I guess we had to do that in order to get it made. Yeah. It, it, it I mean, it very much felt uh, 2122 Jump Street. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, that's very similar to, like, the trip scenes in both of those movies. But, but yeah, I thought the, I, I was not there for the mutilating the bunnies. Like, Good. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we have that on record. Yeah. I, look, you can talk about it all you want on Mac It with Andy Mac, but here on this <laughs> podcast, we're against it. Fair enough. <laughs> Wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, but that's the, I mean, th- that whole trip scene was a little tacked on just because it didn't feed the narrative. Uh, but I'm, I'm ready to pivot and talk about all the good of this movie, unless somebody else has something there. No, I'm good. To, I'm, Molly's been patiently waiting. She's like, God, do these, are you still maligning this movie? <laughs> Fine. I don't know that I would even call it maligning. <laughs> <laughs> just pointing out some definite flaws. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about the soundtrack. I think that's that's a good place to start. 
I I mean, we've talked well, we talked about one and one was hinted at in the opening, but London Bridge is being played while they're pooping and in the poop montage. In the poop montage and Wrecking Ball being played while we've sort of hinted at this, but if you haven't seen this movie and I don't even think this is a spoiler, but uh well it was in the clip in the beginning. Uh the the arc of the film, the what does our protagonist want is once he realizes that his owner Will Forte is a monster, he wants to rip the only thing off that he cares about his penis. Like so he wants to mutilate it and uh that is scored at the end to Miley Cyrus's wrecking ball. Which dope song to begin with, yeah. and yeah. just the perfect needle drop I didn't know I needed. Well and to be clear, and if you haven't seen it, you can appreciate this when you watch it. It starts at the beginning of that song and is beautifully timed so that when the came in like a wrecking ball hits for the first time, that is the exact moment that dog teeth go at chomp. a crotch yep. and chomp. Yep. And just yeah. look, if there was an Academy Award for best needle drop in 2023, I unironically think that should win it. Yeah. Yeah, hey, MTV Awards. You yeah, still yeah, do yeah. a thing, right? Give him a, like, give him a moon man. Moon give man. Him a moon man. For best penis chomp of 2023. Best penis, best needle drop on a penis chomp in 2023. <laughs> Which 2023 was a strong year for dog performances, too. It so. really was. Yeah. Anatomy of a Fall, great dog performance. Like, just, yeah, they, they really stepped it up this year. But these dogs in Stray were really putting in some phenomenal work. They were good dogs. Killing it. They're, they're good were dogs. good dogs. <laughs> um, I think because we're sort of talking about it and we're, we're talking also the music. I mean, uh, other than those two songs, too, like lots of great hip hop, uh, just fantastic needle drops. It really creates a good atmosphere throughout. But since we talked about that final scene, I do think Will Forte's performance in this is so good and so important for the movie working and I think you just have to give him a specific shout out of being a cartoon villain who feels like a person still somehow. Yeah, no, like he, because what they do to him is horrible <laughs> and you so badly want it to happen. Because <laughs> also the way, because here's the thing, like you said, there were like, you're like, why does he have Reggie? Like, he hates this fucking dog. Why does he have him? The reason he has Reggie, this adorable little, like, I guess, like, terrier mix. I think it's a terrier. terrier. Yeah. yeah. Um, is because he was dating a girl who got Reggie. Like, Reggie was his, was her dog. And then Reggie brought, I think, another girl's panties. <laughs> Yeah. Out to him. And the girl's like, whose panties are these? These aren't mine. So Reggie reveals that. Well, no, then he says it's a Christmas gift. Oh, it's a says, Christmas. It's July. It's yeah. July. So Reggie reveals that uh, his owner, that Doug, his owner, has been cheating on this woman. She's leaving. She tries to take Reggie because it's her dog and she loves him. And then Doug is like, no, I'm keeping the dog. 
and only does it out of spite because it's the one thing that like he can keep that his now ex-girlfriend loves. Which is such a shitty thing to do to steal your partner that you're breaking up with, yeah. Doug. Doug is a horrible piece of shit. And then once his ex-girlfriend leaves, he immediately just fucking hates. Because the dog now represents this act, like reminds him of the girlfriend and reminds him of the breakup. So now he, this dog that he never cared about anyway, he actively hates now. And now he has a living thing to take care of. Yeah, and he blames all of his problems on the dog. Like one of his his like ending villain monologue when he's about to strangle the dog to death uh, is uh, before I had you, I had two girlfriends, a house and a mom sending me checks. Now I have no girlfriends, no house and no mom sending me checks. Yeah. yeah. And I have to stay home and masturbate all day, I believe, is the end of that. <laughs> that is the Which end of that. Which is what he did before. <laughs> Which is why his penis has to be ripped off, because it's the only thing that he loves. Yeah. Yeah, it's his favorite toy. He gives it haircuts. <laughs> he pet. I wish I would got pet the way his. <laughs> Which again is some of the great dog logic in the movie of the dog lives with the human, and this is what it's seeing, and it's trying to make sense of the world that yeah. it lives in. <laughs> but yeah, so like they really do like build up. Dog is like no, he is horrible, but believable yes. but human yeah yeah that is something like he's not a cartoon villain no 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 that's something that that dude would do <laughs> yeah yeah none of his actions seem untoward or uncharacteristic of something someone would do no well it's even like the fact that yeah at the end he is trying to kill reggie but he has to get there too it's not like that's where he starts at he yeah. starts at benign neglect and trying to abandon the dog yeah and when none of that works then he he you know he graduates. has a breaking point yeah which he, makes sense because he is getting kicked out of his his place that he's renting and yeah. He has nothing in his yeah. life. It's all that's what I'm saying. The, which I guess maybe this segues to the next thing that we can talk about. Which the writing in this movie is solid. Like yeah. it, it's a it's screenplay a good narrative. That, yeah, it's a screenplay that makes sense. We have a protagonist that has a clear want. We have that protagonist like worldview be challenged throughout the film, and it learns and grows. Uh, you have a B story where his best friend Bug is essentially it's like. The Al Pal plotline in Die Hard of like, this is a character who stopped believing in being owned by <laughs> little kids. And then by the end, because it rescues the uh, the Girl Scout, it, it learns to love again. Also, can we talk about the other true monsters in this movie, which are the little girl, the little girl, Emma, who was Bugs, former owner. Uh, her parents. Yes. Who are horrific monsters. Yeah. And I hope they suffered. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, because the, the whole reason that Bug has become a stray is that he was owned by this little girl and they loved each other. And like, then loved each other. They make it so clear. Yeah. And when Bug is telling this story that like they were each other's best friends, and, this little girl. And yeah, and she's a little girl. And at one point, I think she steps on his tail or somehow she startles him and he nips at her and does break the skin. But because one time he she, wasn't perfect. Yeah, he was startled and he did give her like a bite. They send her back as the little girl is bawling her eyes out and yeah. begging them not to. Yeah, like it is clear that this is like a traumatic moment of this girl's childhood. And 
it, they don't even give the dog up for adoption. They just leave it to in, immediately get euthanized. Yeah. 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 Like, which he, like, Bug tells this story of just being like, I made a mistake. Like, and I'm like, okay, that's you telling this story. But, like, then this little girl, you, ha- like, put yourself in her shoes for a second of, like, I will never, ever love anything again. And I accidentally stepped on this, my dog, when I was playing. And I'll never love anything again. I made a mistake. Like, can you imagine? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, and my like, God. Yeah, like, I, I don't think it's a totally unreasonable decision to say, you know what? This dog bites. We maybe can't have it around our daughter. Like I can see the logic there. Yeah. But to immediately murder it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not good. Um, and yeah. And, and like, yeah, I, I think it is fair to say they are the other villains in yeah. this film. Yes. Uh, for sure. And then, yeah, the, the other two characters sort of have these benign, you know, like uh, just the Instagram like influencer owner. <laughs> Well, yeah, my perfect purebred dog wasn't cute enough for me anymore. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. And then the uh, like um, was going to be a police dog, but failed police dog turned uh, emotional support animal therapy dog for the elderly. Yeah. 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 And those are our dogs. Yeah. 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 Um, I always want to shout out Isla Fisher. I love her. I think she's great. Yes. Um, I'm happy when she turns up in anything. Uh, I think she was really good in this. So. She was. Yeah. It's also funny um, that she plays an Australian dog. That's just a good bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, she's she's really fantastic in it. It's a it's a good character. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, great choice. And I think my my favorite joke in the whole movie, because I think there's a lot of like emotional like resonance of this movie has that bears silver lines that we should probably end on. But uh, when they're trying to plot on how to get out of the kennel and they say that we need something like a long pole to hook the keys. (laughs) And so they decide that it should be Hunter's uh, red rocket. And so, so then Isla Fisher's character who uh, Hunter has a crush on voiced by Randall Park. Um, just starts dirty talking to him. <laughs> and then like, it's like three feet away yes. when they finally reveal <laughs> he's, he's up against the bars poking through and it's, it's three feet away. Yeah, It's and not even close. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the most hilarious dog logic. Like it's so funny. Yeah, no, um, it's, it's that, a fantastic visual <laughs> joke. Uh, and and just the whole time that they're like, like you see the shadow that it's casting yes. and like, it looks like it's almost there. Like, it's just really well done. Well, and um, when they do the end, which they're all great, every single character gets their the actor who voiced them's name put next to an image of the dog. And that image is him with the red rocket out is how Randall Park is credited <laughs> in the end title yeah. sequences, which I'm sure he was honored. Uh, to have also all of them are great because we haven't talked about and I think it is a good time to talk about it's such a stupid joke but the joke where uh, Will Ferrell's dog is humping the garden gnome and Jamie Foxx tells him that you're his dad so then he has a sincere conversation while humping a garden gnome going like I am your father it's strange that we're meeting this way (laughs) like 
you know, and you're a garden gnome. <laughs> like he's so the the earnestness of that character got me the whole movie. But I that that's such a good use of Will Ferrell and, and that bit. But that's his title sequence is him humping the garden gnome. Uh, Jamie Foxx's is him humping the couch. <laughs> and I think Isla Fisher is the only one who gets a relatively normal one because she doesn't do anything super gross in the movie yeah but they she and hunter do get together at the end yes yes and that's another like good joke when uh one of the elderly people is like oh that reminds me of my younger days and the woman's like used to fuck dogs (laughs) yeah no i think this is the other thing that's just worth mentioning overall is there's a lot of good comedy just happening throughout this movie there's an entire self-contained bit that i believe it's josh gad is voicing the it's dog, a narrator dog, yeah. But they're making fun of, like, those types of, uh, I think that's a Marley and Me. Or a dog's purpose. But those kind of movies where the dog. Marley and Me, that type of thing, yeah. Yeah, and so the dog is narrating about its owner, and they're all annoyed by it. And then the payoff is that he reveals that his owner is a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody's listening to him. <laughs> well, and then, like, Den- Dennis Quaid makes a cameo. As himself. himself with just his bird notebook. Yeah, <laughs> one of the the dumbest jokes that I laugh so hard at is he's bird watching, and when he sees one that he's been waiting to see, he marks it off. But his notebook just says "bird" with a checkbox over and over again. So it's bird <laughs> check black crayon. Yeah, bird checkbox, bird checkbox, bird. So it's not specific ones. It just is a bird. bird. Yeah, and then he he makes it clear that he's playing himself yeah. in the movie. Because I'm Dennis Quaid. I've seen a lot of things in my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, all of that. Like, yeah, there's some really great, stupid humor in this movie that is delightful. Yeah, um, yeah it's just going back to Will Ferrell. I, I don't know that anyone can simultaneously or equally play uh, benign cluelessness and malignant cluelessness the way that Will Ferrell does. Yes. Yeah, no, he's perfect casting for this part because there is something endearing. I mean, I think it is adjacent to why Elf is such a classic and why he's so good in that. Yeah, when when Will Ferrell gets a character that is just that there's an irony for us, the audience of like, we know a lot of things that that character doesn't understand about the world, but he's so utterly sincere Mm -hmm. and it's it's very endearing with like how because again i mean this is a movie about a dog who has a horrible owner but that dog loves him and thinks that he's like the dog starts the movie happy even though his life is objectively terrible because he doesn't know enough to know that his life is bad yeah no it's um it's 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 a good flick. It is. It's yeah. a good movie. Yeah, and it's uh like Molly and I were talking a little bit about this and before like the we started this of it is not even like subtly. It's overtly a metaphor for like being in a bad relationship. Yeah. That they the way the other dogs talk about it is in like just you you don't realize that this person doesn't love you and you need to get out of this relationship. And they're essentially a support system that helps the protagonist leave a bad relationship. No, like, it's, like, it's one of those things where it's, it almost feels too silly to say, but I think that is actually, like, the power of watching a silly movie is to sit there and be like, no, like, this is a movie about how you can't leave a bad relationship 
without a support system. <laughs> like, right, about why it's so hard to leave a bad relationship. Why, yeah, uh, we're why like, self-destructive tendencies are repetitive. Yeah, and like you don't have anyone else and like you don't know. And like, um, but even just the like, you know, what's your name? Oh, it's Shitbag. Yeah. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. That's the horrible thing your abuser calls you to like, you know, make you feel like less than. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just my oh, normal. This, uh, this other girl used to call me Reggie sometimes. Yeah, right, that's your name, that's, Reggie. That's your name. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, like it's it. Yeah, it. I, I don't know. Like, eh, fuck it. This movie's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, Andy, I don't know. I'm sure you probably remember this too. But when we were doing improv together in Baltimore, we took. Uh, this workshop that I can't remember the woman's last name, but her first name was Maggie and she was from Philadelphia. And that was literally the style of improv that she was teaching the workshop on was where your starting point is you take something serious and then you tell. So like you play something you, we would play scenes completely, utterly sincerely. And then it's like, okay, now let's change what this is about just enough that it's funny. And that that's, is like a style that we were learning where you can do that. And that's what this movie is doing. Like, it's not a funny idea, but you tilt it just enough that you're able to deal with something honestly, like emotionally, honestly, and truthfully while making it funny by making it just absurd enough to be palatable. Yeah, it, no, it's uh, it. It it hits on some very serious themes and like it it does you know, pay homage, like Molly was saying, to like how abusive relationships can be perpetual and, you know, and things like that. And it does it with silly dogs that curse and shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, it like should have been on the poster, honestly. <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit wordy. We might have to workshop that tagline. A little Just bit. fucking watch the movie. <laughs> Yeah, just watch it. That should it. be every movie's tagline. Just fucking watch the just movie. Come on, come on. Just what is wrong with just you? Stop. Toy Story Five. Just fucking watch the movie. <laughs> no, I think like there's what was it? There's a scene where I think it is when they're at the uh, the Devil in the Sky, um, mm -hmm. and he has he goes back for the tennis ball, and it's Jamie Foxx's dog just being like, no, 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 no. What are you doing with the tennis ball? You're not a tennis ball dog. Yeah. And he's just like, I just like Doug wants it. Like, I have to bring it to him. Like, that's the game. Like, I need to bring him the tennis ball. That's what he expects. And it's like, no, man, you're doing it again. Like, I thought you were you were going to bite his dick off, but you're going back to him because you want to be back with him. And it's like. Jesus Christ, guys. Yeah. yeah. Like, Which it's revealed, too, that he started from anger, but the closer that he got to the house and the closer that he got to Doug, he starts to cave. Yeah. Like. Fuck, man. Like, what we're saying is the the piss and shit dog talking dog movie is good. <laughs> it is good. It is good. It's a good movie. Yeah, You know, I don't need to watch Adam Driver and Laura Dern to know about the problems of abusive relationships. I can watch a bunch of foul mouth talking dogs. But I would watch Adam Driver and Laura Dern play talking dogs. 
Oh, a hundred percent. Which I assume at this point for Adam Driver to do it, the dog would have to be Italian because he doesn't seem to stop doing <laughs> an, a silly Italian accent anymore. Well, it's okay. He can be in the um, Hitler's dog movie. <laughs> he can be Mussolini's dog. <laughs> um, he and Jared Leto can play uh, both of Mussolini's dogs. If Jared Leto doesn't crawl around on the ground the entire time that they film that, he's a fraud. You know what? It's worth it to make this movie and cast Jared Leto just for the process. No one has ever said that sentence before. No, but in this this movie? Uh, um, So, Molly, you alluded to earlier that there were two genuine moments that brought tears to your eyes in this. yeah, yeah. I feel like that's I feel like we have to hit that before we call it a day. Oh, yeah. Um, so one of them was Bug telling the story of uh, his first owner, yeah. Emma, um, which did really just break me um, because I like. OK, so all of this is based on the fact that uh, Joel and I have a lovely wonderful like our our little dog child jolene uh at jolene pug to follow her on instagram (laughs) who also to be clear was a dog that we got from the humane society that someone left on the street yeah someone abandoned yeah um and we have gone over in our brains like how the fuck did someone do that like it, it doesn't make sense like um because she was found right in front of the humane society like there's just, she didn't wander up and like all of a sudden was like oh i'm right here in front of the humane society no somebody abandoned her in front of the humane society because they were too cowardly to bring her in and surrender her like they even yep. told us that is something that happens sometimes because people- i'm unsurprised by that fact yeah. yeah um not with jolene i'm shocked that anyone would abandon that adorable creature but yeah, it's in general, still makes I'm me unsurprised that that's it. a thing. Well, and the only thing that makes it palatable with Jolene is anytime I imagine it, I always picture them setting her down on that sidewalk and she just sits and then three seconds pass and someone walks out and finds yeah. her because she, knowing her, she has no desire to run yeah. away or move or anything. Yeah, just like, imagine her just like sitting down and it's just like, well. <laughs> just waiting for someone to feed her. Yeah. And following I guess them. I'm here now. Yeah. Um. But, like, they're, it, like, seeing that story, like, it just really hit on that thing of just, like, especially because she is a purebred pug, there's a lot that just kind of goes into my my feelings about this, like, oh, did you get her because you expected her to be a pretty perfect purebred pug? And then she was a living creature who had needs and flaws and <laughs> things, and she you know failed like, to be perfect did you i was say did you do any research on what owning a pretty perfect purebred pug entails yeah well also she, not well well no. yeah like she, she had an ear infection when we got her and <laughs> and has had it the, the entire the past four years <laughs> yeah um but like and she's had you know two tumors removed like i mean she she's a pug and like a shockingly healthy one <laughs> all things considered but like I just have that of like, did you get a pug and then she was an actual living creature and you just got fed up? It wasn't a toy. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of what it felt, what it feels like. Um, So I just have that in my like heart and soul of just like, 
when this dog, like this dog is being like, I made a mistake. And I'm like, by being a living creature? Like, oh, God. Um, And the other side of that, which I want to make this extremely clear. My parents did not, uh, were not monsters. And there were a lot of conversations about this. And they were put in a very, uh, like, a, a very difficult position. But when I was uh, a little a little girl, I actually had a, a Dalmatian um, who was very, very difficult uh, because Dalmatians are very difficult and uh, who did uh, pretty severely injure me, like did not uh, did not puppy injure me, like actually severely injured me. And we had to rehouse her. Um, and my parents did a lot of research and found a very good home for her. Um, well, that's what you do when that right. happens. Yes. Yeah. Um, you don't murder the dog. No. <laughs> and I remember like, I actually, like, I was very young. Um, I think that's part of it too. Like I was too young to have a big Dalmatian dog. Um, but, uh, I actually met the people who like, uh, rehoused her. They were very sweet. And I do remember like meeting them and like, not liking them because they were taking my my sure. dog and they were very nice to me and basically going like we understand and you know uh all of that but i remember like seeing the girl like crying and just doing this mm. like they're taking her dog away and they did like so it all of that to say i think this movie really does understand like no they're like they're not just dogs they're part of the family <laughs> like and I find that really something that like it it really gets the like the relationship and the interiority um mm-hmm. of like these animals and like what it means. And there's something that I think that like there's this weird dynamic that I think people sometimes people can get kind of dismissive about not everyone but sometimes people can get a little dismissive of like i mean they're pets but like you know that's you know when you say they're your family i'm like no they're they're your family like and i think this movie really does get at that so anyway i was like weeping (laughs) yeah the first time i saw that um and the other one just does kind of uh add on to that but it was the end of the movie when uh reggie decided the crotch biting <laughs> well no that one i was just very happy about i was like no dude needs to get his dick ripped off no it was the end of the movie when Re- reggie decides to stay astray to like help all the other like new strays figure out the ropes because i had that again where i'm like jolene was astray and then there's a little pug who's astray. yeah <laughs> but i'm like no, he's helping them the way they helped him. <laughs> like, like, it just really got me. Yeah. And I do love that choice that he he stays astray in the end. Because they could have done, you know, the the girlfriend that lost him, like, got him back or something like that. But or I he like- could have been adopted by the, the family that uh, Bug was adopted by. Yeah. Yeah. Which it seems like they're sort of, I, mean, I don't know if that was a studio note as well, but it seems like they're sort of hinting that he has a home there anytime yeah. he wants it. Where he's told he's a good boy. Yeah, he did get his good boy. Uh, but yeah, it look, this movie's great. Yeah. Yeah, this is, is like I said, easily upper third of movies we've watched on this podcast. It's definitely worth checking out. It's the best movie that we've talked about for 2024. 
<laughs> unequivocally. Yeah. I mean, we did spend like five minutes telling our vet to watch it. We did tell our vet <laughs> yeah. to, to watch it. Uh, and then found out that everyone compares him, which we had talked about ourselves to Ted from uh, Schitt's Creek, that he like is like, I get that a lot. And they're right. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Which, I mean, he lives in L.A., so it's actually possible that character might be based on him. <laughs> but, Why not? Uh, but yeah, That's no. what I want to believe. But yeah, this movie is great. I'm sorry it didn't do better at the box office. Uh, I'm sure you two are going to do this as well, but I'm going to go ahead and get my checkbook out and start writing it out. Oh, to I was, Zaslav's I was writing boat. checks the whole movie to Zaslav's <laughs> boat. <laughs> and, uh, you know, thank you for studios. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hey guys, it's Sean. And Carter. From Potato. Salad. Marmalade. Aid. 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 Potato Aid. Salad Marmalade. Another podcast here on the Peak Sloth Network. Check it out. <laughs>